Welcome back to the Disruptive Minds podcast. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce our remarkable guest, Annika Jackson. Annika brings a wealth of experience as a serial entrepreneur, marketing and communications professional, and dedicated nonprofit starter and volunteer. And if that wasn't impressive enough, she has managed all this while being a devoted single mom. Annika's journey is one of authenticity and transparency, with a firm belief in sharing both the triumphs and challenges. She embraces every lesson in her path. Her openness has not only shaped her personal growth, but also resonates with those she interacts with, inspiring others to be authentic in all their endeavors. As if her accomplishments weren't already inspiring, Annika also hosts her own podcast, Your Brand Amplified. With her vast knowledge, entrepreneurial spirit, and dedication to meaningful causes, Annika is a force to be reckoned with. We are incredibly fortunate to have her on the show today as we eagerly await the insights and wisdom she'll share with us. You are listening to the Disruptive Minds Podcast, home of the entrepreneur. Hi, Annika. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Disruptive Minds Podcast. I'm really excited to talk about social entrepreneurship. Social entrepreneurship is something that not many people talk about, but it's really awesome when you can get an intersection between uh, business and philanthropy. Absolutely. Thank you, Bill. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could give the listeners a brief overview of who you are and what you do. Oh, gosh. Uh, Let me see how I can keep this brief. I am first and foremost a mother a community volunteer, philanthropist. I have a huge passion for nonprofit and for business. I will say I couldn't decide if I wanted to be a social worker or major in business in school. So I ended up doing public administration and don't do anything with that degree (laughs) at all. But I think through PR marketing and branding, I found a way to kind of marry my passions. I grew up in Kansas. I moved to a few different cities to follow my dream and entrepreneurship and marketing roles in Kansas City, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, Houston, and now I'm back in Los Angeles. Uh, so I've, I've done a lot of different things in the field. And anytime I can, I always try to pull in, how can I make sure that what I'm doing is of benefit to people? Yeah. I, and that that's something that I think a lot of people miss, right? Like a lot of people think that, oh, I'm going to make this business. It's all about the money. Yeah. But there's a lot of ways that business can impact people positively. Mm-hmm. Like, like, for example, in some countries, you know, water is not plentiful. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, somebody has to sell you filtered water, you know. And if they're not price gouging, that's a service that's very valuable. It's going to save a lot of lives. And they can make money doing that, too. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be either or. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about social entrepreneurship. Because when I was looking for guests, you were the only person that mentioned social entrepreneurship. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, get, you, get, you get 20 million consultants, you know, <laughs> consultants have good things to say. I mean, I'm, I'm not against having consultants on, but it's, it's one of those deals where it's, there's not very many people that are like social entrepreneurship, you know, that, that it, it's impactful. So what I wanted to do is get your definition of social entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I want to say I'm I'm surprised because I feel like more people are involved in social entrepreneurship and maybe just don't realize it. 
Yeah. So there, there's two ways of looking at it, right? From the business perspective, social entrepreneurship can be a company like Tom's Shoes or Warby Parker, where you buy something and they give something to somebody in a developing country who doesn't have access to that. But it can also be you donate a percentage of your profits to nonprofit. You donate your time from your business. You maybe you do some business consulting to help uh, kids or businesses who don't have financial means. So social entrepreneurship has a very wide definition, but it's really about how are you even in a give back component, a social good component, while understanding that you have to be profitable. So like you said, it's not that you are, you're not a nonprofit and nonprofits also can have social enterprises is what they call them. So it's a little different, right? Than social entrepreneurship, social right. entrepreneurship, you are a business, you must have profit. You have to think about the health of your business, but you're also weaving in ways to give back and to make society better. So a lot of tech companies today, for instance, are made with some kind of social good component. I've had several clients, one who's um, called Kitty Credit. They are an ed tech and fintech platform that teaches kids about money and finance through an app where you put in your chores and you do different activities but it mirrors a FICO score. So you're learning if you don't get your homework turned in on time, if you don't do this chore that mom or dad or your caregiver told you to do at a certain time and you don't do it well, your score goes down. Then you don't go get the rewards that you want you know, in your little chore chart. And so it's a way that the company can make money by doing this, but they're also teaching skills that kids really need to learn because how many of us grew up learning about finance and you know, all of that stuff before we got to college and got that first credit card offering, we wanted a free pizza. So we signed up. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's, that's, that's really impactful. I mean, education is another area of social entrepreneurship that I think a lot of people overlook mm -hmm. because a lot of goods are made with the idea of fostering an educational, yeah. right? Especially when it comes to children, Right. Like we've all played math blaster and stuff like that in high school, in elementary school. But even something like that in a way is a type of social entrepreneurship mm -hmm. because it, it's teaching skills. There's obviously the goal of making money, but there's also the goal of educating children and teaching tangible skills that they're going to use for the rest of their life. 100%. Right? So, and so, so there's a wide array of this, everything from, you know, educational gaming to, uh, you know, for every shirt you buy, we clean up water to developing world projects. I mean, the scope of this thing is endless. And basically anybody who sets out with a dual purpose of doing good and making money is a social entrepreneur. 100%. And I think that is a lot more people than, again, than realize. Uh, another couple little examples, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, Olivia Education is a new tech platform that's trying to help with the digital divide. So we know that there are a lot of places, even in the US that don't have access to internet or, or broadband. And while the government argues and tries to figure out who's installing what, this company has created a device that you can take to school, all the homework, all the assignments, everything uploads to it. The kid can take it home and all of their stuff is in there. It, it acts like a mini Wi-Fi or hotspot, I guess. Um, so they can do their homework. It has safe websites for them to go to. They feel like they're on the internet. They feel like they're getting that experience, although they're not. They only have access to the lessons and learnings and books and podcasts and whatever else is on the device. 
but they can upload their homework, take it back to school, and then it syncs up, all their homework is delivered to the teachers, and then they get their new assignments. It is an ed tech platform. It is a for-profit company, but that's a service that is changing lives. They're using it right now. It's a very, very new company in Hawaii, in places in Texas, um, in different states that have these issues. And they're seeing big changes with how kids are able to learn, with how teachers are excited about teaching again, because kids now have access to materials that they wouldn't have. And the kids don't feel like they're being left out of so much because they're not able to get on the internet. Yeah, and I, I think that's really an important component of social entrepreneurship, right? Like the idea that business is designed to serve a need, right? The way people make money in business is they find a, a gap, right? Something yeah. that's currently being served. They get out there, they, they create a, you know, a, a solution for that problem and they sell it and they market it. And with social entrepreneurship, it's really the same thing. It's identifying a need in society, creating a product or a service or a solution for that problem, and stepping in and offering it for, you know, a, a profit. And that's why I think like social causes go so well with business, mm-hmm. despite the fact that a lot of people, you know, kind of overlook the fact that you know, I can do good and run a business. So I was curious, how did you find your love for philanthropy, social entrepreneurship and giving back? Oh, wow. I think it was always in my blood, you know, um, whether they talk about how things are passed down generationally through our genes, right? And I really do believe that because on one side of my family, my American side, my great-grandfather discovered oil in Kansas right before the Depression. And so my grandmother grew up not in a typical fashion. Back then, of course, there was just the newspaper. So, But the newspaper would tell news from everywhere. And he would get letters from people all over the country asking him to help them with going to school or they needed money for this. There wasn't the full social welfare system like we have today. There wasn't easy access to information. And he wanted to give back, and he did. Um, because he had discovered this oil. He didn't, he didn't have to really, you know, he didn't have to do a lot <laughs> to make money from that. But I hear these stories and it just made a big impression on me, I guess. And then on my mom's side, my mom is from Thailand and Laos. Mm-hmm. And there was also a big history of giving back in our hometown, Kankan in Northeast Thailand. My great grandparents were stewards of uh, the Buddhist temple in the town. And they did a lot of giving back to the community. And so you hear these stories and you just grow up with this. And then my American grandmother and my mother were both social workers. So my mom would take me on, on weekends. She worked for churches who had um, who had sponsored immigrants coming over from Southeast Asia. So she would take me with her and I would sit and play with the kids while she was teaching the parents how to do things the American way, right? right. How do you discipline your children? What is acceptable here? How do you wash dishes? Like, you have dish soap, but you have to wash it off. Just things that we take for granted, but that in other countries, they don't have access to the same things. Yeah. So from the very early age, I just grew up like that. And then on the other side of my family are teachers and entrepreneurs. And so I just always was wanting to do something where it makes some money for myself. Um, but I, again, I had that push pull of which do I want to be? And I didn't know that I fit in either category. 
So then I just fused them together. And I got a lot of nonprofit training through volunteering with different organizations, serving on boards, starting my own nonprofit, which is a nonprofit that works with an, uh, in Ghana with an organization there. And we do have a social enterprise. We have a organic farming that puts profits back into the orphanage that we built into kids schooling and provides jobs and safe food sources for local schools and restaurants. So, um, so if I could do it, if that was like my only job, that would be ideal. <laughs> right. But I also have to uh, do other things at this moment. You got to put food on the table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's, that's really awesome. I mean, that's, that's a, that, that's a long history in the making. Yeah. You know, the multi-generational story and, you know, it's really inspiring. So one of the things I really want to talk about was some of the unique challenges that like face social entrepreneurs that some of the other entrepreneurs really, you know, are not aware of, you know, may not have to face, right? So like, for example, one of, uh, one of my college professors, he had a feeds program in Africa, right? And the challenges that he faced were very different than the challenges that, you know, a guy selling, you know, a hat at the mall would face, right? Like he had security risks. Mm. He had the idea that like maybe the local politicians were corrupt and would come in and demand 50% of the feed in taxes the next day. You know, they just changed the tax rate overnight. So, you know, you had all these other environmental and governmental concerns in this particular venture, but there's all different sorts of concerns that apply to social entrepreneurship, especially ethics. I was wondering if you could give us an idea of some of the unique challenges to social entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Thanks for asking, Bill. There are many <laughs> challenges. One is scale. As you're starting your business, it's very tempting to start with the give back component right away. But if you do that, then you're not investing the money or saving the money that you need to, to make sure that you're able to pay your taxes, that you're able to pay, your, if you have employees, that you're able to also invest in your company, right? So I think sometimes social entrepreneurs, their hearts can be too big. And I'm looking at myself too, as, and we're not necessarily taking care of ourselves or taking care of the business side of things because we're so concerned about the other side of things. Um so, I mean, I see that a lot with a lot of the tech companies. They're not necessarily paying themselves or taking care of themselves. They're putting everything they can into this business and hoping that it creates enough profitability for them to do everything else. Um, another thing, you you touch some of the issues depending on where what your social enterprise is. If you're partnered with people in different countries, again, people in different countries have different ways of doing things. We also see that in Africa, inflation rates go up a lot higher with the war in Ukraine and Russia that has affected the food supply. Um, that is Ukraine is a place where the majority of sunflower oil, for instance, comes. So if you're involved in a feeding program, but there's not even grain and sunflower oil and food to get to these countries, that creates a big issue. Um, you also have to worry about transparency. Like the reason we started non Learn Grow Lead as a nonprofit here to partner with somebody in Ghana was so that we could have more transparency and be able to look at the paperwork, make sure that they're registered with the country, right? Make sure that the orphanage has people coming through and that it's properly licensed, that we have this accountability. And so I think it's something that you have to keep in mind is when you're 
going into social entrepreneurship, what is your end goal? Make a roadmap to get there, but take your time to make sure that your business is sustainable and lasts. Because if you're pouring everything into somebody else and your business can't succeed, then it doesn't serve anybody. Um, and then, you know, making sure you're completely transparent with what you're doing, um, with your time, money, et cetera, and what that looks like so that when people are involved with you as partners, if you have a tech company and you have investors coming in, that they know they're still going to get their profits, but that there is a roadmap to this other side. And here's how you're helping serve the community. That that That's really interesting because the next part that I wanted to get into was lessons learned. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, and and you kind of brushed on it there, like the idea of balance, like that's such an important one that I think a lot of people really overlook because you sit there and you're like, okay, I got this plan and everything's going to go according to this plan. And it's going to be great because I'm going to make money. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to give away this much and everybody's going to be happy and everyone's going to feel good and everything's going to be great. But the reality is that whenever you're going into a business venture, there's a range of outcomes, right? There's not a fixed, this is what happens. There's a best case scenario. There's a worst case scenario. There's every iteration in between. Mm -hmm. So I think balance is really one of the biggest lessons that you could impart on a social entrepreneur. Because like you said, if you're not making enough money to keep the doors open, you're not helping anybody. Yeah. Right? If you can't feed your family, then you know what are you doing feeding other people's family? You know, yeah. it's the whole uh, put the mask on on the airplanes exactly. and the other people around you. And, you know, some people conflate that with, you know, selfishness. But really, it's it, it, it's a key part because that's what makes this business sustainable. That's what makes it last long term. And that's what allows it to serve others over a course of years, not just over a course of a few months. And we shut the doors. So yeah. I, I think that's a really interesting lesson that I really wanted to highlight. And mm -hmm. I think you did a great job explaining it. But what other lessons have you learned over time working with you know, social enterprises and social entrepreneurship? They take time. Everything takes a lot more time than you think it's going to. Uh, I think the same thing, I say the same thing, whether it's uh, in my business side too. For PR, it takes time to build those relationships and to get clients in the press. Yeah. So you have to think about that too. When you're building a bit, and, even build, think about it as building a business in general. It takes time. You can't think you're going to be an overnight success. Look at the most successful people. They either sacrificed everything else in their lives to spend 70, 80 hours a week and didn't have any fun and didn't do anything to get there faster, or it took a little longer, but they had a little more balance in their lives. Uh, and there's a lot, always going to be things that you don't know, unexpected expenses. Um, again, building an orphanage, I wasn't thinking about, oh, the farm isn't going to be able to take care of all the expenses for the orphanage and things are going to come up. People need increases. The nannies need increase in pay. Oh, now we have transportation. It's hard to get from the orphanage to schools. How do you pay for that? All these other things that you don't think about. So you really have to take a step back and put a lot. I'd say invest more time in the planning process. Think about all of those unknowns. Do a lot of research. Talk to other people who've done what you want to do to get that expert advice. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. If you see a company on LinkedIn or read an article, people want to help you create better communities. 
right? So yeah, I mean, so I think that's the biggest lesson is that balance, um, making sure that you're feeding yourself, taking care of yourself, and then the time component, taking the proper time to plan and to think through all of the different things that could happen. And you're not going to think through it. You're not going to think of every, all of them. But if you can plan for a few of them, you'll be a lot further ahead. Yeah, that's a big one is business planning, right? Because people people know like, hey, if I'm going to invent the iPhone, I need to write a business. <laughs> right. But a lot of people don't don't understand like, hey, if we're going to sell coffee and we're going to use that to provide food for the homeless, and I also need a business plan, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's going to allow you to catch a lot of this stuff, right? That's what's yeah. going to enable you to have that foresight that you're talking about. And I, I think that's the part to sh- stress is plan, 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 because you can never do too much plan. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I think that's a really, really, a lot of really good points, especially with the, you know, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So I, I was wondering if you had any other parting thoughts on social entrepreneurship, um, you know, maybe first steps that somebody could take if they're interested in exploring social entrepreneurship? I think, thank you. That's a really great question. I think the first things to do are think about what you're passionate about. We all have different areas of interest. Even kids know that they have different areas of interest, right? You might be passionate about animals or healthcare or homelessness or Uh, safe farming techniques or sustainable livelihoods for people or making sure your product is ethically sourced. There are so many different things that can feed into social entrepreneurship. So think about what really matters most to you and what fits into your business if possible, right? So um, I'm really about like, I love education. I love talking to people, sharing things. So education is really important to me. So what can I do to help kids get an education that wouldn't have access to it, that, that I teach at USC also. So education is a huge, you know, it fits into who I am. And so that's what I feed into for my social entrepreneurship, but somebody else might have something else. So think about those two things and that will help you go a lot further than trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Don't, don't do something that you think you have to do. Just do it because you're really going to be passionate because that passion will also show through to your customers, your clients, your partners, your donors, your sponsors, your investors, your whole community. That, that's very well put. I like to use the term sphere of genius. I love right? that. Yes. that that's, that's, that's the thing. It just keeps coming back and coming back. I think it's come up in every episode so far. <laughs> and, and the idea is that like, everybody has things that they're good at. They, mm-hmm. they have things that they're passionate about. And if you can find that intersection between things you're good at and things you're passionate about, it's a unique advantage that only you have, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's what I think is really, really powerful. And I just love that it keeps coming up. But anyhow, I wanted to get, you know, wanted to get the end of this because I know you got things to do, but I <laughs> wanted to know what are you up to next and how can the listeners find you if they want to hear more? Ooh, what am I up to next? Um, well, I am teaching, I'm podcasting, I'm actually uh, relaunching a program for entrepreneurs called Brand Amplifier for Entrepreneurs that kind of walks you through how to build your brand successfully. Because I had so many people coming to me who wanted PR or services, but they didn't have their brand built first. So um, that comes with coaching and it co- you know you can do an online program or you can do online with coaching. There's some different ways to do that. So that is coming up. And um, just continuing to work on my nonprofits, 
Learn, Grow, Lead, Influence Hers Foundation, which we have a social enterprise in Kenya with Computer Lab, and a few other projects like that. And people can follow me on Amplify with A-N-I-K-A, so Amplify with Annika on all social media, or go to yourbrandamplify.com to find out more. And I'm always happy to talk to people who are interested in social entrepreneurship. No, no strings. I don't do that for a living. I just love talking to passionate people. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. I think everybody learned something and you know, maybe some people discover that they're a social entrepreneur yeah. too. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. We do an episode at least once a week. So everybody, you know, tune in, stay, stay plugged in because we got a lot of great guests coming up. Thank you so much. And we'll see you on the next episode of Disruptive Minds.